you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 28. We had a lot of people out today, but man, what still what a wonderful crowd. What a wonderful crowd. We want to make sure if there's someone here that's not here, uh, that's usually here, make sure that we text them, Facebook them, let them know that we miss them and that we notice that they were not where they normally are because we want them to know that we love them and that we care for them. I said there's a difference between talent and anointing. Brother Sean was at Blue Sky yesterday. He said he wanted chicken strip dinner. The lady said, uh, you want two or a three-piece? He said, well, what's the difference? She said, one's got two chicken strips in it and one's got three chicken strips in it. He said, the price. What's the difference in the price? There's a difference. There is a difference. God's going to do something powerful in this place. I'm telling you, I've been, in, I've, I've been in the Holy Ghost this morning. I preached in Jackson, Tennessee this morning. I'll tell you what, God, I, had to, I left so I could get here on time. But when I left, there's still people in the altar. Tears flowing down their face. Things were breaking in their life. So I'm going to tell you today, no doubt, that I have a, a shepherd's heart when it comes to this church. But I want to work in the office of an evangelist today if that's okay because I know God's going to do something powerful we're going we're gonna to see lives change today book of Acts chapter 28 the Bible says and when they were escaped then they knew that the island was called Melita and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand they said among themselves no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he thought or though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. And the Bible says that he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. I want to preach to you on this subject this afternoon. God may not stop the bite, but he will stop the venom. Some of you didn't catch what I just said. So you already eaten. You you think you got your phone up. You're waiting for the next voicemail. Can I can I tell you what the Lord's got for us today? Can, do I need to say it again? God may not stop the bite. But he will stop the venom. He will stop the venom. I wish somebody would lift your hands in this place. 
and be apostolic for one hour in this week and believe have a little faith I want you to lift your voice can you do that Lord we love you God we worship you Lord I'm asking you right now to anoint this place God we need you in a mighty way God Lord I'm asking you right now to minister Lord God to let your Holy Ghost fall God Lord if there's anybody in this place God that's never experienced you in the power of the Holy Ghost God before they leave this house Lord I'm asking you God to fill them with your spirit from the top of their head to the sole of their feet Lord in the name of Jesus we pray somebody shout amen, amen. clap your hands as loud as you can and be seated Brother Bud, don't stay seated though <clears throat> what a great variety of circumstances do we find Paul in this particular setting we have him on an island to which in all probability he never would have been thrown there unless for this storm in his life and while this was not on the agenda it was not on the calendar because he was headed to Rome even though it was not part of the plan it seems that God has a work for him there isn't it funny how in the midst of a storm in the midst of crisis places that you thought were a dead end in your life and there was no way that God could ever use you in this area all of a sudden this storm throws you in a place that you never would have been and yet God placed you there for a purpose now I know that all of us are on different places in our journey and I know that many of us we have we're not finished driving but nevertheless we are toward the end of our journey and we have seen many things that God has blessed us with and then there are some of us that we are praying for things to happen in our life and we're at a place in our life in this particular moment that we never thought we would ever be I want you to look back over your life today and look at the path that we took to get to this chair that we're sitting in on this Sunday afternoon. Who would have known all the situations, all of the events that took place? Who knew that death could have led me to this place? Who knew that depression could have drove me in this direction? Who knew that physical handicaps could have got me where I needed to be. Who knew that wayward children and wayward spouses could have delivered me into the perfect will of God in my life. Who knew there are storms in our lives that were strategically placed to get us where God wants us. You had no idea at the time. You had no idea 
that some of the things that we would call the worst things that have ever happened in our life, now, years down the road, we look and we say, had that never happened, I wouldn't be here today. Can I get a witness in this place? Can I get an elder in this place? Would somebody speak to me, respond to me, and let the children know that you just hold on? Because what you're going through right now, there is a chance that God could have his hand in it. There is a chance that God could be in the midst storms in our lives and the whole time that we were disgruntled and displeased. I know. I know I've been there. It wasn't long ago that I thought my life was over. I thought my future was destroyed. And all the while, that trauma that was happening in my life, God was looking down saying he's headed in the right direction. I know he doesn't understand it now. I know he doesn't understand. I know he can't see it right now. But if you'll hold on, Sister Megan, if you'll stay the course, I've got an anointing that I'm going to set up on him. I've got a destiny that I'm going to pre present to him. If he'll just hold on. He doesn't know it right now. And there's some of you in this place. You don't know it either. But you're right in the middle of God's plan in your life. My wife said a statement a few years ago. The thing that you're praying about today is preparing you for what you dreamed about yesterday. God was saying, I gotta, I gotta place this here to get them to walk there. And I got to get this out and I gotta move this here and let him encounter that until eventually I'll have them walking beside me. Because you gotta understand where we, we, we never would have thought we would have been this, in this particular situation. Don't you be naive and to think that you would just walk right into the will of God for your life because you wouldn't, you wouldn't just stroll in. But God said, I gotta get their agenda out of the way and I gotta get their opinions out of the way so that I can put what I want and my will in their life. Some of you would have never walked in this door if everything was okay. Some of you would have never showed up in this place if everything was all right. Some of you would have never stepped foot in an altar with people surrounding you, Brother Carlos, had everything been glorious and glamorous. But God had to break us down. Some of us are stubborn people, aren't we? God had to break our spirit, Brother Paul. God had to break our, our mind. He had to break everything about us. He had to tear us down for a moment so that he could build us back up because brother Dylan we would have never we would have never showed up into the house of God many of us would have never ever showed up in this place had we not went through what we went through and come to find out all those storms in my life weren't random situations but they were for a purpose it seems random doesn't it it seems random that your child's going through what you're going through or what he's going through or what they're going through. It seems random that your finances are worse than they've ever been. It seems random that you're as dry as you've ever been in church. It seems random that somebody talked about you, somebody that you thought would never turn their back on you. It seems random that you feel how you feel. But let me tell you, there's nothing we serve a God that's all-knowing. He's omniscient. 
He knows the end from the beginning. They call him the Alpha and the Omega. My God knows everything. There's nothing that surprises him. And so today, you are not here by chance or by accident. Because even stormy winds sometimes fulfill God's counsel. So Paul ends up on the island called Melita. And if it wasn't bad enough to be stranded on a place that he had no intentions of being because he was headed to Rome. But Chad Bateman, his dream was Rome. So if it wasn't bad enough to be stranded on a place that he had no intentions of being. The Bible says that on that island there were barbarous people. If it wasn't bad enough to be stranded on a place that you didn't want to be, now it's even worse because not only is he on an island that he had no intentions of being on, hear me, but now he's on an island that he had no intentions of being on with people that he had no intentions of being with. Kind of comical. Oh, don't you sit back and act like you love everybody. You need to love everybody. Don't let me rephrase that. Don't sit back and act like you like everybody. It kind of cracks me up a little bit. I ain't going to lie to you. Because nobody wants to be stranded on an island. But you sure don't want to be stranded on an island with people you don't like. And so now Paul's on his way. He's strolling. He's strolling into his destiny. He's headed to Rome. And all of a sudden, there's a storm that comes. He's shipwrecked. And, and now he's ended up on an island called Melita. Melita ain't, ain't nothing glamorous in Melita. Rome is the New York of its day. It's, it's the place that everybody wants to be. It's where the mass is. It's where the crowds are. It's where every preacher wants to be. And Paul's headed there. But there's a little place called Melita that, that God didn't, he fails to mention Melita a lot of times. You know, he don't tell you about Melita. All he says is, hey, you're headed to Rome, but I ain't going to tell you Melita because if you ever find out about Melita, you'll probably never show up to Rome. You'll just say, hey, I think I'll stay in my own house because Rome isn't that pretty when I see Melita in front of it. I don't know if I want to get to Rome if I have to go through Melita. And so, so Paul, Brother Carlos, he's, he's, let me tell you, Paul has got to be a lonely man. Ministry sometimes can be lonely. And so he's headed out to Rome and storms come in his life, shipwrecking and where he's supposed to be in Rome. There he is in Melita. And not only is he in Melita, but the Bible says that there are barbarous people in Melita. You ever remember, you, do you remember fourth or fifth grade? You had a science project. Anybody ever done a science project in this place? Okay, we're going to do a science project right now. I'm going to see how many hands I can get to raise when I ask a question. How many has ever been in science class? Oh, we did it. We did it. About 85% there. So, I just want to wake you up a little bit. So, you're in science class. And they got a science project. Do you? And you don't want to really do the science project. But it's a partnership. And, and if you've got to do the science project, then, then you've already got your partner that you want. 
Maybe it's the cute little brunette over there that's really smart. She's going to do all the work, and she's cute on top of that. And so you're good with that. If i got to do a, a science project, then so be it. If i got to do it, then I want to do it with this young lady. Or maybe a young, you're a young female, and it's the quarterback. And you're looking over there, and you think, man, if I could just get him, I could, this would be enjoyable. But you don't ever get them, do you? You always get the kid with mucus running down his face. And he smells like he ain't bathed in about four weeks. And, and there you are. And if it wasn't bad enough to have to do the science project, Sister Megan, you got to do it with somebody that you don't even like. Y'all making me work today. So Paul is on an island that he doesn't even want to be on. And he's also on an island, not just on an island, any island, but he's on an island that is, is consumed and is, is, has been inhabited with barbarous people. So Paul is on an island in some of the most horrendous conditions. His plans in disarray. His trip to Rome is in question. Nothing seems to be falling how Paul thinks it should fall. And if it looked like it could get no worse, the Bible says in verse 3, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hands. If it looked as if Paul was per se snake bit in the clinch, now literally a snake came out of the fire and fastened on his hand. Talk about bad luck. I'm going to set it up. I promise you I'm going somewhere. But I, I want you to hear me. I want you to stay with me. All the guy wants to do is get to Rome. But a storm comes and blows him off course. And he ends up stranded on an island and come to find out barbarians occupy this very place. And then if that isn't enough, a little snake comes out of the fire and bites his hand. Can I get to Rome, please? You ever felt like that? You ever, I mean, the whatever thing just comes crashing down on you, and you just want to say, God, can I just get where I'm going? Someone, somebody help me right now. You ever been to a place where you feel like, my goodness, God, I don't know how much more I can take. I'm trying to do your will. I'm trying to minister to people. I'm trying to love people. And they don't care. They just stab me in the back. And this comes out of nowhere. Can I just get to Rome? Can I just get to Rome? I feel like there's some people in this house today that all you want to do is get where you're going. But it seems as if you're snake bit. It seems that when you take 10 steps forward, you'll take 20 steps back. And oh my goodness, I'm telling you right now, it seems as if as soon as you come down to this altar and you lift your hands and the Holy Ghost falls on you, it seems as if life gets even tougher when you walk outside. But can I tell you that God said, I 
I'm the God of the storm the same as I'm the God of the sunshine that I'm the God of your destiny the same as I'm the God of your trials that I'm the God of when everything's going good the same as I'm the God when everything's going bad everywhere you go everything you touch it seems to fail and you feel as if you're in the same place that you were a year ago three years ago ten years ago that we have made no progress your finances are failing your family has been bit your mind is weak your heart is weary a venomous beast has fastened on your ministry but can I tell you while God may not stop the viper from biting he will stop the venom from destroying you I wish somebody would stand to their feet today and thank God for a word God said I know you've been bit I know he said and I know poison has been released he said but hey I may may not stop the viper from biting he said but I will stop the poison from destroying your life I wish somebody would worship him right now I wish somebody would praise him right now God's trying to let you he's trying to let you know that I'll never leave you nor forsake you that I'll stick closer than a brother that I'll be with you through every storm that I'll be with you through hell that I'll walk with you every day Oh, somebody worship him right now. Somebody worship him right now. Be seated. I could tell you of people in this church and around this area that there is no way they should be doing what they're doing today. But because God broke the yoke of conditioning in their life. This preacher today, I'm telling you, me, myself, Sister Regina, I should not have had some of the opportunities that I've had, but because the venom was stopped in my life, was stopped where others have died from what I went through, what I've faced and what I've caused in my life. God looked in this particular situation. Let me tell you, we don't live in just a glass bowl where everything's controlled by this and that. I don't care how many movies. Let me tell you, God is in control. There ain't a government. There ain't an army. There's not an emperor. There's not a king. There's not a professor. There's not anybody that could tell you. I'm telling you, God has the last say. He's got the last say. And I don't care what life has brought you God said I'll stick with you through I'm still God and God alone and there's nothing that can stop me there are some of us in this room that if it was left up to people we would have been shut down and the venom would have entered our lives but because God seen differently than people. People see differently than God do. People want to shut down the bitten. People have it out for those who have had misfortune occur in their life. Verse 4 says, And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt! This man is a murderer. No evidence. 
the evidence that they had was that he was shipwrecked and he should have died from it and then he stuck his hand in a fire and snake a snake bit him and so they said misfortune has occurred this must be him reaping what he has sown and so they label him something they didn't see him slit the throat of him not saying that Paul didn't but they didn't know they didn't see him hang an individual they didn't see him stone anybody and all they did brother Chad was they labeled someone with no evidence to speak of I wish I could get a witness in this place. However, how many has ever felt like Paul? You're sitting there saying, I ain't got any, you ain't got no evidence that I'm this, but they still label you, right? There ain't no evidence that, that, I, that I've had, that I, I, I should be called this, but you're still calling me that. Let me tell you, don't you worry about what people say. Don't you sit there and dwell on what the world says. Don't you let it stop you coming from ch to church. Don't you let it stop you worshiping God. Don't you let it stop Stop you from lifting your hands? Don't you ever? The barbarians had him bad. Oh, he's been bitten. No doubt that he's got bad blood. No doubt that he's got venom in his veins. No doubt that he's bad. They had him bad, which is funny to me. Because anyone who was described as a barbarian ought not cast judgment on anybody. <laughs> I don't know about you, but even though I've dug out of the ditch that I created for myself, can we stop there? We're ripping the barbarians for a while, but can we be honest for a second? Some of our decisions and our mistakes have caused us to be to be labeled there's a difference between sin and rumors or and then sin and people just saying things some of us have evidence <laughs> and we're still mad but we have evidence don't you call me this well that's i mean i don't call you that but that's what you are i remember my dad he told me I went through some very tough years as a teenager. I went through some rebellious years. And you remember. You remember. And I used to get mad. So-and-so was calling me this. So-and-so said that. And I was ready to leave. I was ready to go fight somebody. I was ready to go do this, do that. And my dad says things like, You made the bed, son. Now you got to lie in it. So we got to be honest with ourselves. I'm going to call out the barbarian when they don't have evidence. But when they do have evidence, don't you get mad and offended and walk out the church. You say, I'm just going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. I know they got evidence. And I know that I've done this. But I'm going to keep showing up to the house of God. I'm going to keep lifting my hands. And I'm going to show them that I'm more than what they're calling me. And I'm more than the mistake that I made. And I'm more than a decision. That I, that I had in my life I'm going to keep showing up to the house of God <laughs> let me get back to my message there are some things though that you get pegged with that you absolutely don't do you just ain't done it I remember I had a teacher when I was in elementary school I'll never forget the first day in her 
in her homeroom. And uh, let me tell you this, this was a, she's a sweet lady. I'm not by any ways harboring bitterness. She is a sweet, sweet, kind lady. But I'll never forget this. I was 10 years old. And I'd already heard the stories. I was scared to death. I was scared of school anyways. And I walked in there. And I'll never forget the first day she was calling roll. Sister Linda, she's calling roll. This is the honest goodness truth. And she got to the peas. She got to the porterfields. And she got to Brian Porterfield, who is a great cousin of mine. And I love Brian. And she said this. She stopped. She didn't do this with anybody else. She stopped and she said, Brian, who's your daddy? He said, well, Clifford Porterfield, ma'am. And she said these words. She said, Clifford's a good man. He's a good man. And Clifford is a good man. And I was just sitting there nervous as all I, I, could, I could be. C comes after B and she said, Corey Porterfield. She said, who's your daddy? I said, Gary Porterfield. She said, come with me, son. I, I'm not making that up. I know you think that's why oh, he's just being an entertainer. I am not. You can ask my mom and my line. She said she was mad. She's a sweet lady. And she put me in a room by myself for the first six weeks. And she would bring me my paper, my homework, while the other class sat together. Because I have been bitten by the blood of Gary Hugh Porterfield. I remember Paul Bill used to be worried. They told me when he married my dad, he said, now Carol, your kids, they're going to reap a lot of things. They're going to reap a lot of things. And my dad had to go through some of the very same things, similar things, just because our family at that point, up to this point, they had been bitten with bad tempers and a fighting spirit about them and alcohol. None of them lived till they past 40 years old. None of them. But see what that teacher didn't know was there was a day that my daddy, the man that I called daddy, walked down to an old-fashioned altar and all the things, all the things that he inherited, God said, I'm going to break that in your life. And he said, you may have been bitten. He said, but the venom's not going to destroy you. And God got a hold of my family. He got a hold. I'm telling somebody, he's trying to speak to somebody today. God wants to minister to you today. God's not finished with you. He's not finished with your family. There's generations after generations that's going to walk in anointing and going to walk in righteousness and going to walk in holiness all because on 2017, a Sunday, that somebody walked to the front and said the curse stops here, the bite stops here, the venom is destroyed. Yeah, I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and lift your hands and say, God, help me. Help me, God. I can't do it on my own. My child, my son's not going to be an alcoholic. My daughter's not going to be an adulterer. My, my kids are not going to be low down, but they're going to be holy. One God, apostolic, tongue-talking believers. 
Oh, I wish you felt what I feel today. I tell you, this ain't just another service. Ain't another service. Oh, no, God's trying to do something in the Holy Ghost today. He's trying to do something in the, in the Holy Ghost today. He's trying to do something in the atmosphere today. <laughs> the Bible says, verse 5 and 6, and he shook off the beast into the fire and he felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have been swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, Brother John Martindale, they saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said this, listen to this, how things change in just two verses. They said in verse 6, after they said they changed their minds, it says, and they said that he was a God. Two scriptures up, he's a murderer. But you see, he didn't believe what the barbarian said. As you can call me a murderer if you want to. And I know I've been snake bitten, but I know good and well I ain't no murderer. He said, you watch this. And he shook off the beast from, from his hand. And he looked at them and they said, oh, maybe we've been mistaken. He's not a murderer. I believe he's a God now. And it wasn't that he was a God, but it was because of the God that he served. It was the God that walked with him. It was the God that lived in him. And he didn't believe. Let me tell you, you quit believing what the barbarians say. You quit believing what the world says. You quit believing what naysayers say. God's not finished with you. He's not finished with you. You see, they watched him swim to shore and survive the storm, the shipwreck, and the waves. They seen him stick his hand into a fire and he was bit by a viper. And then he thought, surely he's through. But then they seen Paul take the beast fastened on his hand and shake it off and sees that nothing happens to the shipwreck. Snake men, snake bit man named Paul. They watched him when he should have been ill and he should have been swollen and he should have fell over dead and never should have made it out of this. They watched him make it through, allowing them to see the power of Paul's God. Let me tell you, you just got to, you, you can't believe, because there's going to come a season where you got the snake literally dangling from your hand and everybody can see. And what most people do is they quit. And that's the worst thing for this world and for the church because it discredits the power of our God. But we, what, what we got to do is we got to make sure that we keep showing up. I don't care if it's still on your hand and they're calling you a murderer and they're calling you a whoremonger and they're calling you an alcoholic and they're calling you no good. They're calling you a deceiver. They're calling you a liar. They said he'll never stay. He'll never do it. You just keep on walking and you keep on believing because two scriptures later they might think of you as a God. Not that you should receive that but they'll know that something you have is different than what everybody else has. <laughs> I remember when I first started preaching, I told, I told the story about me crying many times, my first message. And I told my dad I didn't want to, I didn't want to preach because I thought that people would, would think I was disingenuine. It, they would think that I was fake. They was, they would think that I, I, I wasn't sincere. And I told that story about, 
I don't think I've ever told you. And I don't even know if he remembers, but there's a particular pastor who I love dearly still to this day. But no doubt I had been bit. I wasn't naive. I wasn't naive that when I, when I got in church I, and I, God started calling me, I knew that I was probably going to have to do more than most for anybody to respect anything about me. That I was going to have to go beyond, above and beyond. That I was going to have to be more faithful, more loyal than anybody else because I understood what my past was. I wasn't naive. I knew. I knew how people viewed what I, and I'll never forget that was one service. This particular pastor, I don't know why he, uh, he thought that, that, that it would help us by saying this he meant well his intentions were well but he was using a lot of different preachers and he came up to my dad at this service and dad probably don't remember it because it probably didn't cut him like it cut me but I remember I was standing right beside him and he said he said pastor Porterfield he said he said I, I would I would have your son he said but I he said you know with his situation he said it just he said, it's going to cause me more problems. And he looked at me in the eye. And I was probably 21 years old. He looked me in the eye above Bobby Hall. And he said, he said these words. He said, I hope you understand. And I looked at him and I said, I do. But Danny, you don't know how bad that cut me. I held in the tears, but Carlos. But it was like somebody was on the inside of me with a knife. And he started cutting me. He started cutting me. And I looked at him and I held back the tears and I said, I understand. And I was, just, I was so mad at myself. And I went home that day and I said, God, you're going to have to help me through this. He said, I know you called me. I know you called me. And God, I know I did this to myself. I said, but God, I, I want to do a work for you. There were many times it crossed my mind to move. Many times it crossed my mind. I'm trying to help somebody today. Crossed my mind, Sister Regina, to, to go to another state where nobody knew me. But my dad's voice in my ear, he said, Corey, if you don't, if you don't win the battles here, he said, it don't matter what you do out there. He said, but if you'll stay home and you'll win the battle here, he said, you can go anywhere in this place. You don't know how hard it was. Brother Chad, when I would preach, there would be certain people that didn't show up. I understood, but it still hurt. Still hurt. I'll never forget the day that this particular pastor called me. That when I was 21 years old, it cut me so deep. I don't know if he forgot that conversation or if if I just lived through a lot of the things that I had done. But he called me Brother Chad. It caught me off guard because I didn't forget. I didn't say anything to anybody. But I didn't forget. And he said, Brother Corey, he said, I want you to come preach a revival for me. And I said, yes, sir. And I got off that phone, Sister Ramona. And I hit my knees. And I said, God, you help me. You help me to help somebody else. You listen to me. I'm trying to help somebody today. I don't care how what you've been bit by. I don't care if you've been bit by lust. 
I don't care if you've been bit by adultery. I don't care if you've bit by, been bit by bitterness. I don't care if you've lost all credibility with everyone else around you. You hear me right now. If you'll show up, if you'll keep showing up to God, to the house of God, if you'll keep showing up to the altar, if you'll keep offering up a sacrificial praise, and you'll show, I'm telling you, if you'll live life long enough, the same people that said you was a murderer will be the same people that say there's something different about that lady something different about that man stay with me I'm hurrying turns out that the chief of these barbarous people had a father who was deathly sick he needed a miracle why not let the man that was snake bit came through it alive and well pray for him you see, people want people that have been through some things laying hands on them. What you're going through right now, it doesn't seem like it's going to help you, but you hear me right now, it'll be one of your main resources. We could let anybody lead us. We could let anybody pray for us. But they said, we want Paul. Because whatever he has, I know it works. I know it works. Because even in the midst of crisis, he was sustained. Even when he should have been dead, he lived. I'm looking at some people today that I won't praying for me. I'm looking at some parents today that I won't giving me advice about my children. I'm looking at some people today that I want you teaching my kids in class. You know why? Because I know you've been through some things. I want you to stand to your feet. I've got so much, but I don't want to belabor the point. You can play softly, Brother Jeremy. <laughs> I got a phone call. Actually, Sister Shelley caught me outside the daycare a few days ago. And she said, Corey, there's this guy trying to get in touch with you. I've I seen it on the Facebook page too. I didn't know who it was. He said he wants you to call him. So I called him up. There was a man by the name of Michael. He answered the phone. I said, Brother Michael, this is Corey Porterfield. I said, I, I got a message saying you wanted me to call you. And he said something that was odd to me, Brother Danny. He said, your voice is so familiar. I didn't know what he meant when he first said that. He said, Corey, he said, I'm from Anaheim, California. He said in 2010, he said, I'm a trucker. He said, I'm also a backslidden Pentecostal preacher's son. He said, I'm almost 60 years old now. He said, I've ran from God my entire life. He said, but in 2010, he said, I was riding down the road in that truck, riding all over this country. He said, my 12-year-old son at the time was in the seat. He said, tears were rolling down my face. He said, I found the first United Pentecostal church 
that I could find. He said, I was in South Bend, Indiana. He said, and I was gassing on that big 18-wheeler, trying to get it to the house of God. He said, because I needed something, Sister Becky. He said, I needed something. He said, you didn't meet me. He said, and I didn't meet you. He said, I've never seen. He said, I've never seen your face. He said, and I ran into church. Church was over. He said, you done left. He said, I hit my knees. He said, I was so upset because I'd missed church. And I knew I needed something from God. He said, I wasn't going to church at that time. He said, I was about to walk out the door frustrated and discouraged. He said, and the media guy at that church ran out holding a CD in his hand. And he said, sir, he said, I know you were upset about missing church. He said, but this young preacher come by and he preached a word today that I think will help you. And he handed him that CD. He said, and you preached a message called snake bit. He said, and Brother Corey, he said, I put that CD in that truck. He said, I rode that truck all the way back to Anaheim, California. He said, and the Holy Ghost fell in that place. He said, my 12-year-old son was watching everything. He said, now begin to speak in another language. He said, I go to Bishop Jeff Morgan's church. He said, I made copies of that CD. He said, I got it in every vehicle I got. He said, I made an MP3. He said, I got it on every cell phone I got. He said, and the reason I said your voice sounded so familiar, he said, because I've listened to that message every week since 2010. And he said, I just wanted to tell you. He said that I was bitten. He said, but the venom didn't destroy me. So I'm looking at some people today and I know we get in such a routine that we just go to church and we go to we go to service on Wednesday night and we come in here like it's our job. But I'm telling you right now this is a special service and it's a special hour and God wants to touch you this morning. I want to open these altars today for somebody that needs a fresh anointing that needs a fresh touch that needs a fresh reminder that God is not finished with you that you may have been bitten but the venom's not going to destroy you <laughs> the venom's not going to kill you the poison is not going to take you over I tell you, we better remember that God called us for a purpose. He called us for a reason. He's got a plan for our life. There's a reason He filled you with the Holy Ghost. There's a reason you didn't have parents, but you're still here. There's a reason that your mom and dad divorced, but it didn't destroy your life. There's a reason that you faced everything that you had to face. 
Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Has it been so long? Have we... What Paul said, he said, I had to turn them over to Satan for a season. Because sometimes we forget where God has brought us from. We forget. Has it been so long? Have we forgotten how good God has been to us? You should have been dead, but you're still here. You should have been finished, but you're still here. You should have been, it should have been over, but you're still here. Come on, come on, come on, somebody, come on, somebody. And the Holy Ghost moving in this place. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Come on, come on. Let those tears flow. Let those tears open that wound back up just for a little bit. 